many saints throughout the ages have spoken about the value of being still. They've told us about the spiritual benefits that await anyone who will regularly quiet their minds and hearts to contemplate God. They've urged us to think deeply about God's works, His wonders, and His promises. They've testified about the impact that it made on their own lives, of how real eternal things became. And if that is the impact that is made on someone who chooses to quiet themselves before God, I guess it's no wonder that the God of this age would love to foster a culture of stress and pressure, lights and noise, endless activity and ceaseless motion. After all, if we are constantly tyrannized by what's happening right now, we'll never have time to think about eternity, will we? And that is the point. This is the 13th episode in our series, Babylon, the Seat of Satan's Power. Stay with us. If there's one term that accurately describes our postmodern world, it's the word motion. We are living in a time of unprecedented activity. People are rushing, people are moving, people are on the go, living their lives in ceaseless locomotion. Stand on any bustling street corner and witness the stress that is etched into people's faces. Lean over a freeway overpass and watch the endless rush of speeding cars often driven by frustrated and even angry drivers. Park near an airport and observe the crowded planes bound for multiple worldwide destinations. Truly, the whole world is in a full court press. Of course, this was foretold in scripture as one of the overriding characteristics of the end times. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. America is arguably at the leading edge of this addiction to activity. Our culture places massive importance on making a name for ourselves, achieving our goals, and experiencing true happiness. These societal ideals often foster a relentless internal pressure to achieve, acquire, and experience. Americans have become addicted to this fast-paced lifestyle. Young people find it nearly impossible to sit still. Television producers change the camera angle every three seconds so they don't lose viewers. Others, as we'll discover in the next video, spend endless hours scrolling through their TikTok and Instagram feeds, constantly looking for a new thrill. One of the unfortunate effects of such frantic living has been a high level of impatience in people's lives. Our daily decisions are affected much more than most of us realize by how quickly we can accomplish a given task. In our frenzied tempo of life, we want what we want now. In this series, we're looking at how the spirit of Babylon affects the lives of professing Christians. And it is that spirit that is driving the people of the world into an ever-increasing level of hurried, stressful living. 
It should go without saying that the flesh thrives in such an environment. In Galatians 5, Paul contrasts two different lifestyles, those who walk in the flesh and those who walk in the spirit. Scripture paints a picture of the righteous as those who the Lord leads beside still waters, who meditate day and night on the law of the Lord, and who is like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Surely this is what the Apostle Paul had in mind when he contrasted the deeds of the flesh in Galatians 5 with the fruit of the Spirit. Spirit-filled believers are characterized by love, joy, and peace. Even in a frantic world, such a person is going to go through life in a calm and loving manner. As a contrast, consider this. Of the 15 characteristics Paul uses to describe people in the flesh, more than half of them describe a life driven by lust and strife. Listen to how the Passion Translation lays out these characteristics. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? It is clear that as followers of Jesus Christ, we must make it a priority to walk in the Spirit. This life of peace begins every morning as the believer quietly contemplates the Word of God and spends time in the Lord's presence. It simply is not possible for the fruit of the Spirit to come forth in a person's life who's given over to the frenzy of Babylon. We can't change the fact that we live in a fast-paced world, but we can take steps to change the atmosphere within our homes. We can do more to separate ourselves from the frantic noise of this world. We can learn to quiet ourselves in the Lord's presence. If motion and noise characterize the spirit of this world, perhaps we should allow silence and stillness to have a more significant place in our lives. Maybe we should take steps to ensure that God's peaceful atmosphere rules within our homes. I've often been struck by the beauty of 2 Corinthians 3.18, where Paul says that when we, with eyes that have been unveiled, gaze at the glory of the Lord, we're changed a little bit at a time by the vision of that glory. You see, we were made to behold God's glory and to be changed into the likeness of what we see. That is really important. But how few seem to have the wisdom or the wherewithal to put some real distance between themselves 
and this frenzied American lifestyle so that they would have the opportunity to train their eyes on heavenly things. And I know I didn't before I came to Pure Life, and it had a devastating spiritual impact. So I asked two of our counselors, Ken Larkin and Trey Best, to come into our studio to talk about the connection between a frantic lifestyle and bondage to sin. Okay, so I'm joined in the studio by Ken Larkin and Trey Best. You guys are counselors in our residential program. Thanks for coming in. Good to be here. As counselors, I'm sure that you guys have thought about what motivates a person to live in this kind of frenzied life. I mean, what are the most common reasons a person lives like this from your experience? Well, I would say, first of all, I mean, just they're infatuated with the world. You mm-hmm. know, they're in love with the world. John said in First John, he characterized the world by the lust of the flesh, mm-hmm. the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So either they're just, we live in a hedonistic culture, so they're just driven maybe to get what they want, to pursue pleasure, or it could be the pride of life where they just want to get ahead, they want to make a name for themselves. Uh, reminds me of the Tower of Babylon, you know, let's make a name for ourselves. Yeah. You know, they're just driven to pursue something that's going to glorify self or cater to what they want. Okay. And mm-hmm. so they've just bought into it, so they get, they just stay plugged in, like you said, as much as they can. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the culture, culture of the world. Social media plays a huge aspect in it, you know, and kind of looking at my own life and really just praying about this and, and counseling. This uh, lifestyle of activity and frenzy. Um, it's just like breeding ground for all sorts of like sinful heart motives. It just like cultivates that in your heart. So you could just like, yeah, there's like a plethora of some of those things. Okay. So you're saying that like there might be one motivation that causes a person to throw themselves into that lifestyle, but mm-hmm. as they're doing that, it's creating. Mm-hmm like more sinful motives. So Mm -hmm. now they're being driven by this and now Mm -hmm. they're being driven by that. Yeah. Okay, okay. I know for myself, I've seen two two main things that got me into this kind of at the heart. And that was um, wanting to get something. So there was like, it was driven by lust. It was wanting to, um, yeah, whether it's power, reputation, image, uh, or just something for pleasure. So there was that side of it. The other side of it was also distraction. Like I was in sin and I knew my like my life was miserable because I was in sin. I wasn't having fellowship with the Lord. So I was mis- I wasn't walking in the peace of God, but I didn't want to deal with those things. So I was like, well, if I just busy myself, then I can kind of distract myself from those those issues. I don't have to, you know, go through my own thoughts. <laughs> I've seen in my own life those two factors and you know, counsel these lives, those factors really almost getting somebody into that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, it just ripples into a whole lot of other sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it in my own life. We don't have social media here, like as a rule, you know, mm-hmm. but I've seen it in my own life when I feel like I'm disconnected from the Lord. It's like there's this, I don't know how to say it. It's like there's this powerful compulsion inside to Mm -hmm. find something that's satisfying. Mm -hmm. And I think that can play a part in it as well, that it's like you were talking about, you've got this desire, you're chasing this thing, and 
it, we know that it never delivers. Yeah. You know what I mean? It never actually gives us the thing we think it we're going to get. So mm-hmm. then the more we chase it and the less we find it, I don't know. It's like, man, why does it take us so long to learn? This thing isn't actually going to give us what it's promising. We yeah. go, we go after it harder. Yeah. And harder. We're becoming addicted to the to the pace. But mm. rather than seeing that it's never going to satisfy us, we just speed up. Yeah. Well, when you said that, I thought about the idolatry component, mm-hmm. that our culture is an information technology culture, and we've basically replaced knowledge and science in the place of God. Mm. So we're eating off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, trying to develop life apart from God. And no wonder it's insatiable. Like you said, when you're disconnected from the Lord, you're running after something else to fill that void. Unless they're pursuing the Lord, there's certain basic needs in humanity that you're not going to ever meet with the creation. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've done. We've traded in idolatry all the knowledge. Instead of for a knowledge of God and a relationship with him, we're constantly pursuing this stuff, and it's a vicious cycle. Then that Mm -hmm. fuels your pride, the knowledge, and then you continue to develop the self-life, and it just feeds upon itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, like you were saying, you know, we— we feel this need to to cling to something or to to start pursuing something, and I you know I believe that the Lord put that in us because it's meant to be you know um, set on Him. Yeah. But if it's not set on Him, then we just find something else, kind of like Romans one. You know, um, they didn't worship the Lord, and then they started worshiping cre- the creature versus the Creator. Yeah. So that's really at the heart of it. What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we are hardwired to worship. And we're hardwired to desire, to yearn after something. And the only thing that can actually satisfy that craving in a healthy way is the Lord. Everything else creates this corrupting kind of hunger, corrupting kind of desire. You know, Mm -hmm. whereas the Lord, when we hunger after Him, He creates in us a healing kind of desire. It's, yeah, it really is amazing. Okay, let's talk about this. Do you guys see a clear connection between someone who lives this lifestyle and sexual sin? Like, could a person very easily go from not really thinking about, oh, I want pornography or I want this or that, but they're just all tied up in the video games and social media and that that's going to be the gateway into sexual sin. Do you guys see it that way? Oh, yeah. I see a direct correlation. Okay, how? Well, if your whole life is, whether it's entertainment, whether it's whatever you're doing, if your whole life is catered toward what you want and you're in a frenzy to satisfy the lust of your flesh, Uh then that's just one more avenue of doing that. And it's so prevalent and it's so out there in our culture. Our culture is so promiscuous Mm -hmm. and it's right in your face in our culture that it would be very easy to get into that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because, you know, Galatians 5 talks about if you uh, walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Well, the person that's like in this frenzy mentality, like they are the judge of what their day looks like. So what do I pursue? Mm. It's based on what I want. So they're their own king. They're doing what's right in their own eyes. And they're not living a life that's governed by the Spirit. And really, we know like a life, just like Paul said, a life where you're not gratifying the desires of your flesh, sexual sin, is walking in the Spirit, which means mm-hmm. your life is in the Spirit's control. So that's that's where I saw the connection in my life. I maybe thought 
uh, I was being led by the Spirit because I was in ministry stuff. But in my personal life, I wasn't like praying, like, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time off? Mm. What do you want me to do to um, for my finances? What do you want me to spend my morning doing? It was just, I thought, oh, this is not a necessarily blatantly sexual thing or a sinful thing, but it was all still driven for my ambition, for me. Mm. And I just think about um, like what Paul said, you know, in 1 Corinthians 3, like anything that's built other than on the foundation of Jesus is going to is going to burn up it's really of no use so when you're in that lifestyle and you're doing it for self like you're not really building anything of substance and so you're just yeah you're just living for your flesh and then within mm. that you know what's right in my own eyes sexual yeah. sin yeah yeah and i th- i i mean i know my own life like if there isn't that that dedication to walking in the spirit then i'm not going to have the strength mm-hmm. to stay out of sexual sin anyway you know what i mean like i don't i don't have it in myself to resist that yeah um and so really it's just kind of like a matter of time mm-hmm. if you're just giving yourself over to things of the world your strength is leaving you it's like samson you yeah. know he probably didn't want to lose his strength, but he also didn't want to give up what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of that. It's it does. You can't have the one without the other. Yeah. Um, and even if you don't ever go into sexual sin, I think this is something that um, Jordan Yoshimine has said a lot. Like, even if he didn't go into homosexuality, like his life was just totally devoted to the things of the world. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when God looks at a life like that, does he really see like a big difference? Mm-hmm. Or is he like, well, you're you're just, you're in the spirit of the world. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you go back to what's the goal of being a Christian? Is it just so I sin less or is it that I'm walking with Jesus? And I know for myself, when I was in this, my Christianity kind of fit in that checkbox of things that added to my productivity and my image, but it wasn't, you know, the centerpiece. So like everything I was doing was kind of efficient, you know, how can it be efficient? How can I do something that's going to add to me? So, you know, what does that look like? Like I'm going to listen to a podcast, you know, on my ride. And then when I'm get home, I'm going to, you know, go to the gym because I got to hustle and grind and I got to, you know, and then I get home from that and I got to catch up on social media and there's not really time fit for the Lord. And if there Mm. is, it's just real like, quick. It's kind of like you're going <laughs> like a drive-through. Like you're just going to go get my, you know, fix of the Lord and then move on. So that might for me that looked like I did, you know, I went through a Bible plan on the Uversion app. Well, maybe I shouldn't mic drop a name. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I went through a Bible plan, you know, on the Bible app and you know, that took me like 5-10 minutes and then I prayed on my drive to work where I was even running late there. So I'm speeding. So it was real productive prayer. Right, right. <laughs> and then, you know, if somebody asked me though, oh, did you pray? You know, do you, how's your devotional life? You're like, oh, I have a devotional life. Five minutes on the Bible app. <laughs> I pray while I drive. Uh, but mm. there's not really connection with the Lord. There's, it's kind of like, I was thinking about this, a, I guess in a way, a, a curse word to our, <laughs> our society. American lifestyle, yeah, yeah. Would be waiting waiting on the Lord, like that was not in my 
I don't know, my vocabulary before pure life. Like if you told me, oh, you have to wait on the Lord, <laughs> I was like, you hate me. <laughs> like, why are you going to tell me that? You know? Uh, or the other one, you know, that I thought about was obscurity. You know, that's mm. just like, if you could say it like that word's going, you know, extinct. <laughs> Nobody yeah. thinks about ex- obscurity because we're just so fixated on entertainment and the world, which you know, you go on social media, you go on TV, uh, you know, any streaming service, it's all drawn to look at me, look at me, look at me. And we're, mm. that's what's creating this lust. But then we want other people to feel that same way about us. So now we are in, we're adding our own version of entertainment, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me. And yeah, you're just, that's not a life that's walking in humility like Jesus. That's not a life that's, you know, wanting the Lord to be exalted. It's yeah. It's just, you know, look at me. Like even you think of, you know, video games, like building your own avatar. It's like, here's me and I'm presenting it to you. You know, look at it. You know, my social media like pages, look at me, look how cool my life is. And it's just real self-centered. Yeah. Um, and even if you don't have blatant sin, it's like your your life isn't characterized by I'm walking with Jesus, mm. you know. And just the priorities being out of whack. I mean, it lends itself to sexual sin because if you're if you're a Christian and you're not willing to spend time with the Lord, there's something seriously wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just by living that really fast-paced lifestyle, God gets crowded out by default. If you don't make an actual determined effort yeah. that I'm going to prioritize spending time with the Lord, I'm going to drop everything for the most important relationship, the Lord— and if you don't do that, it's automatically going to just kind of be put to the wayside. And then all you do, all you have left is the world and its influence. Yeah. You know, it's not natural for us to think heavenly minded and from eternal perspective. Everything around us caters toward a temporal mindset, what's here and now. And if you don't actually spend that time with the Lord, your values, your thinking are being formed by the world. And it just continues to spiral out of control. I can't imagine a culture, you know, like in the 1700s or the 1800s, having the kind of power that America has right now. I mean, just the it it is so easy for an entire day to pass by and just go one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. You know, you can get up, and as soon as you get up, check social media. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, I, w- I need to shower and get ready, and I'm going to listen to a podcast, and then get into my car, and now I'm going to listen to the radio, and then I get to work, and I'm doing my work, but I also got to catch up on some videos. And mm-hmm. then you get off work, and now we're going out to a restaurant, and then let's go catch catch a movie with some friends and get into bed at midnight and get up and do the whole thing all over again. You can... You can spend your entire life chasing one experience to the next to the next. I, I don't. I can't imagine that it was ever like that mm-hmm. in the history of man. You know, and like you said, God, He doesn't work that way. He doesn't work in all of these ultra sensational experiences. And if we demand that of the Lord, that He be sensational and hype and like all the time we're not going to get it yeah. you know he works slowly methodically quietly and we miss his work if we want him to be like america yeah 
So we, you guys already kind of touched on this a little bit, um, but what would you... Okay, so let's imagine that a person is just busy, hurried, chasing one experience to the next, totally tied in with all kinds of different activities and forms of entertainment and stuff. Imagine that he doesn't even necessarily... He's not looking at pornography. It's not like horrifically sinful stuff. What kinds of sinful behaviors or thinking are probably going to be formed in him just because it's frantic, busy, one thing to the next? Well, I thought about someone like if someone is really fueled by just selfish ambition, just wanting to get ahead, Mm -hmm. where they're willing to spend as much time as it takes, as much energy as it takes, then typically they become task-oriented instead of Mm -hmm. people-oriented. So they're not going to be loving the people around them or caring for people around them. They don't care who they step on to get ahead. They don't even have time for their own family, let alone a competitor. So they're going to be living a very selfish life, self-centered, where it's all about me, and they're going to have little regard for other people. So it's going to really show up in their relationships. Even though they might outwardly you know, smile and put out an air that they love people, they'll stab you in the back, they'll do whatever mm-hmm. it takes because it's about what they want. And if you're in the way, watch out. Mm. Yeah, they'll steamroll other people. I think also, you know, when you're in pride, you're exalting yourself. So they start becoming critical of other people. Um, like Ken said, they get um, get into perfectionism. But another aspect of it is they come into a lot of anxiety and stress because mm. they're building this kingdom. And if you build the kingdom, your kingdom, you have to sustain your kingdom. But when you're building God's kingdom, you know the result, the outcome falls on him. Like you're just walking in obedience, but these guys are on the opposite. So they're stressed. How am I going to maintain, you know, my image? How am I going to maintain, you know, my productivity? How am I going to maintain being connected with all the cool stuff that's going on? Because yeah, they don't want to miss out on anything and they want to, they have this image propped up, but yeah, you see it. People are under so much stress and anxiety. It's, yeah, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. But I was I was in that, you know, it's 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 misery. Even when you start getting what you think you want, I mean, you're in lust in a sense, or really I'll say it this way, you're in covetousness, which is you're just wanting. So you get something, but then you're like, oh, I'm on to the next thing. And then you get that, but you're, it's still not enough. So there's discontentment. Um, and even if they don't feel it all the time, other people are feeling the effects of it. Their families are seeing that, like, man, this guy only cares about his own agenda. Right. Like there might be a legit family need and they're like, but that doesn't benefit me. So I'm going to, I got to stick to what is going to actually help me mm-hmm. and my goal. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really a sad life. Yeah. Yeah. I was, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about the verse that talks about um, walking circumspectly. I can't remember where it is. I know it's Paul saying it somewhere, but that idea that our lives should be lived carefully and my actions should be careful, my words should be careful, my um, interactions with people should be careful. When you're living this kind of busy, hurried lifestyle, like from one thing to the next to the next, you don't have time to really consider the impact of your actions or how your how your choices are going to affect other people or how mm-hmm. they're affecting your own walk with the Lord. You're just like, um, I can't remember another another verse that I only remember part of is talking about how people who are walking in the darkness, they stumble 
but they don't know what makes them stumble. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that would be true if you're just constantly on the go. You might be tripping all over the place, and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And if you are recognizing, man, like my life is out of control, you still can't figure out what is the cause because you're just so, so busy. You're just racing. So yeah, people's lives can get completely out of control very quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about our culture is that our culture is, is just begging us to live that kind of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're de- like that person... And I'm speaking from my own testimonies and a lot of just lack of love because, you know, they're just thinking about themselves. So they're all like, that's another, you know, aspect of, you know, sinful behavior and thinking that um, is going, is being cultivated is a lack of love, definitely a lack of meekness. And with a lack of meekness and a lack of love, um, this person also starts to become emotionally detached from real life. And I've seen that, like, I remember being with people and even literally hearing these words said to me, it's like you're here, but you're not here. And it's because my mind was racing on what's the next thing I'm going to do. Or they're talking to me about something that's really meaningful in their lives, like a real need that's going on. And I'm just showing face, like I'm, I'm, I'm really pretending like I'm, I'm, I care because I want you to like me. I want to keep this image up. Emotionally and mentally, I'm not really there. I'm just waiting for you to be finished so I can, you know, yeah. help you out and then really go on to something that matters. Or, okay, now you're done. Let me talk about me. Yeah. And and that's the scary thing about being in that is, like you said, you're in darkness, but you don't realize you're stumbling. You don't realize that from other people can see that you're not living in love, that you're selfish. I mean, that was my case. I remember my dad telling me, like, you're selfish. And I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean? I I do all this stuff, but I'm really not meeting other people's needs. Mm. Uh, It really just is all propping my own image. Yeah, this whole conversation is just making me think about what Jesus would be like Mm -hmm. if he lived in America, you know, and wow, he would look so different from Americans. Just how we think, mostly in terms of production. Mm-hmm. I gotta do this, and I gotta make this happen, and I'm busy, and my schedule is crammed. And I think sometimes we feel like we feel good about that. Oh yeah, man! I went from this to this to the, even if it's good things and ministry. I'm just thinking about my own life. Like there's some there's a kind of a satisfaction that comes when it's like. Oh, I had this meeting, and then I had this conversation, and then I wrote this thing, and then I did this, and then, ah, oh, that was satisfying. And all before lunch. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, man, what else am I doing <laughs> in the afternoon? <laughs> I, it just makes me kind of wonder, wow, would Jesus, would he do it that way? Like, mm-hmm. we know that his, his life was full, mm-hmm. but it was full of meeting the needs of other people. Yeah. It wasn't just producing for production's sake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously you guys have done counseling with people like this, but you've also had to counsel yourselves. Um, where do you start, you know, when, when someone is in this, this mode and they're just, they're not even 
trying to check themselves. They're just full bore, like all the stops are open and they're just living like this. When you start to counsel somebody, where, where do you begin? Well, if nothing else, we get back to the basics, um, spiritual disciplines. Most guys, at least to come to our residential program, maybe to do the uh, overcomers at home, don't have a devotional life. Yeah, like or a maybe real like one. trays. Okay, yeah, right. five and done. You know, five, yeah. five minutes or whatever. So we 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 mandate at least a half hour when they first get here. You know, fifteen minutes in prayer and fifteen minutes in the Word. And the important thing is consistency in the beginning. Okay, I'd rather have someone do a half hour a day than spend two hours one day a week. We're looking to yeah. develop this godly habit. You know, and prioritizing your relationship with the Lord has to come first. That is a huge step in the right direction. If you can get someone to prioritize spending quality time every day in prayer and in the Word. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then with that, obviously, setting up boundaries. Okay, where am I going to rein myself in in all these areas? Okay. You know, and then having someone hold you accountable to what you decide you're going to do. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely second that. The pill that they're going to have to swallow is I have to cut some things off. I have to just be okay that I might not be able to look at every, I might not be able to catch up on my social media feed. Like there's going to be things that I didn't, you know, watch from the night before. Um, but it's on the other, the thing is, I guess in counseling, you almost have to make them value the inner life, like see things from a real perspective. Like, well, are you walking with Jesus? Because most of the time when they come into counseling, there's something that's off. You know, there's something, whether it's they're feeling, you know, I mean, in our case, it's sexual sin, but there's other fruit that's being birthed out of this lifestyle, like we mentioned. Um, and so you can kind of narrow it. You kind of show them like, okay, this is a fruit, but let's trickle it. Let's let's trace it back down to the root. And then, okay, what's, why is there bad fruit coming out? And then I usually take them to John 15, you know, four through five. Jesus gives us a promise apart from me, you cannot bear good fruit. So I'll, I'll tell them, you know, especially if they're not having a solid, consistent quiet time, I'll tell them, I can't guarantee you what kind of fruit will come when you're abiding with the Lord, but I can guarantee you this, if you're not abiding with the Lord, you will not have fruit. Like this program will be meaningless to you and you won't have anything good come out of it unless you're actually abiding with the Lord. And that's a promise. That is a promise from Jesus. Right. <laughs> like, right. like, that's not what I said. Like, so, yeah. you know, well, let's look at what does abiding look like and is that happening in your life? And, you know, you, I've had guys um, do a, like an entertainment log. So they'll, you know, write out, you know, just, just, yeah. just kind of see, have them see like, how much. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. Yeah. Like when you write down everything that you eat, you're like, yeah. what? I ate 17 donuts today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're I like, I don't want to write that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was right. a half, 16 and a half. <laughs> but yeah, I had a guy, you know, write down what his entertainment log, you know, looked like. And it was like four hours in video games, you know, three hours on YouTube, um, another thing on social media, just texting and all this stuff. And they realized like, you know, and then I'm showing you, I'm like, do you think this comes under like walking, like sowing to the, the spirit or to the flesh? And they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's my flesh. And then you're like, okay. And then what's the fruit that's coming out of your life? And like, oh, well, I'm struggling with lust. And you're like, and is that the flesh or the spirit? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's the flesh. Yeah, so it's that's good. just giving them some perspective to value the inner life. And unfortunately for some guys, I mean, yeah, unfortunately for some guys, it takes a real crisis till they see something needs to change in my life. Mm. Um whether it's just an internal struggle or an outward circumstance that really opens yeah, their like eyes Yeah, like it really costs them something. And yeah. now they're like, okay, yeah. I mean business. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, but even then, you have to tackle the idolatry, 
because um, if they don't start putting that off, mm-hmm. um, then they're not going to be have, be able to put on. Yeah. So okay. So let me ask you a question. Like when you're working with a guy, let's talk about the Word of God. So a guy spends 15 minutes in the Bible, 15 minutes of prayer. Do you see just that? Um, just those spiritual disciplines alone beginning to just change the way people think, even if they don't necessarily come out with like these massive takeaways. Oh, I see how I have to change my life. Is there something about just being in the presence of God for 30 minutes a day that begins to change the way a person thinks and change their perspectives and values? You see that happening? Yeah, absolutely. Well, especially when they're not spending any time with the Lord. So mm-hmm. all they have is the world influencing them. Sometimes it's like a big wake-up call. You know, it's like jarring where they suddenly, there's kingdoms in conflict. They have their kingdom, they have this world, and now they're encountering God in his kingdom. So yeah, it would definitely begin to do an upheaval within their inside world, in their heart, mm-hmm. and in their mind. And if they're consistent, it will gradually change their perspectives and their mindset. Okay. Yeah, so like, I, I guess the reason why I asked that was because, I mean, I know what it's done in my life, I, I know the testimonies of others, but I think maybe some people question like, well, like what good is it going to do kind of thing? Or maybe they feel like, yeah, but I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not going to seminary, I'm not a, I'm not a pastor, I, like I don't, there's so much about the Bible that I don't understand, or I don't know how to do this, and I think it is valuable for people to realize that that God sees. Mm-hmm. He really does. He sees when we make that choice. Like, okay, my life's a mess. Mm-hmm. I'm going to prioritize time with the Lord. I'm going to make this a consistent part of my life because I want to know Him. God works in ways that we don't understand. Yeah, in the secret place of our hearts mm-hmm. that. He can change us in ways that we don't have to grasp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you brought up a good point that God sees. And I was thinking of James 4, where it says, you know, friendship with the world is enmity with God. But then going on later, he says um, that God is jealous for you. And then, you know, he goes on later and says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And then he gives you kind of how do you do that? And it's this process of repentance, mm. you know. The Lord's, you know, speaking through James, says, saying, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Like the Lord wants that. He wants to be near and he wants us to be near. Yeah. And we really won't see, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. We won't see that life with God. We won't dwell in his presence until there's that repenting and seeing it rightly and then drawing near. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's an element of poverty of spirit in there too, because when you're doing spiritual disciplines, me mouthing words in prayer, me reading a book isn't going to do anything, but it's the Holy Spirit that's involved, and the yeah. Word of God is powerful. Yeah. It's living, it's active, and it can produce changes in our lives, but we have to realize and depend upon the Lord, number one, that He's the only one that can do it, but like Trey said, He wants to do it, and He's promised to do it. And he, another scripture I love is Hebrews eleven six. God is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yeah. He will, he wants to be found, Yeah, you know, yeah. and he's drawing us. You know, if anyone's even caring enough to spend, to start spending time in the Word of God, 
I don't think it's because they just had a bright idea or a counselor told them. Because I believe it's God drawing them, and now they're finally not rejecting him, but actually responding to his overture of love. I want to be in a relationship with you. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, I think that really is the the danger of living that frenzied lifestyle is that you don't want to seek the Lord, and you you develop so many idols and so many desires and strongholds that it's like what you said, when Jesus is there, willing to give everything that he is and everything that he has to you, you're like, I don't want that. You know, this is too important to me. Mm-hmm. Our hearts become so entangled with the world that, yeah, we don't want Jesus. So, yeah, I really appreciate everything you guys brought out. I think it was really good. I think it was really practical, and hopefully people will just heed, you know, the the wisdom here that the world is intoxicating, alluring, and trying to addict us to its spirit and mindset, but the Lord is calling us to come out of that and to put him first, seek his kingdom, seek his face, and um, he'll do awesome things in us if we do that. Three of our staff members recently came into the studio to talk about this topic, what their lives were like, why they were driven to be so busy, what it felt like to repent of this kind of driven lifestyle, etc. As we begin to wrap up this episode, I'm going to play an excerpt from this discussion, and if you'd like to hear the whole thing, just check out the bonus material for episode number 504. Well, it's great to be here with you, Chris and Michael, um, as we're going through this series looking at how professing Christians are dealing with the spirit of Babylon. Um, Today we're going to be talking about just the quickness, the fast pace of this world system that we've lived in. So as uh, just thinking about some of our own experiences and what we've had to go through uh, in the past and really dealing with this, um, I guess, this world mindset, Mm -hmm. um, share a little bit about some of the things that filled your lives. You know, one of the questions specifically is what busied us? What preoccupied us? What kept us busy? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Michael, if you want to share just a little bit yeah. about that, how you were so busy. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I remember just constantly feeling the need to be doing something, mm-hmm. whether it was entertaining myself with movies, video games, uh, just hanging out with friends, going to the mall and just walking around. I actually remember a lot of my weekends consisted of going to my friend's house after school, hanging out late in the night, uh, staying Mm -hmm. up, watching movies, um, partying, looking at things we shouldn't have been looking at, playing video games till 3, 4 a.m. And then I'd go to bed and I'd get up before the rest of my friends so I could go play golf. And then I'd finish around a golf and go back to my friend's house and just hang out there all day. And it was just go, go go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, what about what about you? What was filling your time? What was keeping you very active? Uh, I remember probably, I grew up sort of at the beginning of the television era. So TV was a, my babysitter from the time I was in a high chair. Um, 
I remember my dad telling me I wouldn't even eat dinner unless Mickey Mouse Club was on mm -hmm. TV, and I would, you know, put up a, a fuss. But I do know that being brought up in an ungodly home with alcoholics, mm. most of my time was to get out of the environment. Mm -hmm. So sports filled my life from the age of six, seven. I started mm. playing football at eight. I was playing baseball in um, town leagues, anything to get out of the house. I was staying all day at friends' houses to avoid mm -hmm. being around my parents, to mm. avoid the chaos that was in the house. TV was all the time. Uh, when my dad was out of the house, which was often, I was so afraid of being alone with my mom between the ages of like nine and 14 that I would stay up until the channel shut down. That's You guys mm. probably don't remember that, but they used to, <laughs> like around midnight, one o'clock, they would close off mm -hmm. and I would stay awake just to fill my head with something so that the fear that I lived with wouldn't overwhelm me. For myself too, I can relate. If it wasn't television, it was sports and other activities. And even I can remember specifically in youth groups, even being a a professing Christian and leading these soccer uh, games or even just the intramural football leagues and just being constantly from one activity to the mm -hmm. next. And I remember in my early 20s, my mom, I remember her specifically saying, you're burning two ends of the candle here and mm -hmm. you're going you're gonna to crash. Mm -hmm. And for me, being frenzy, like being in this mindset to me was right. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, right. you know, what, why slow down? And especially if most of my stuff is good mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've got at least a church activities or religion mm -hmm. that's occupying a lot of these different activities, you know, kind of on the outside looks good. Uh, what's wrong with it? You know, but later, you know, we have come to find out, and especially as our listeners are beginning to hear about this frenzy lifestyle of the world and really just the Babylon spirit, we've, uh, we've got something driving us, mm -hmm. driving us to fulfill, to be active, to be in this frenzy. So share um, a little bit about what do you think was driving you? If you're looking back at some of those things you talked about, what was driving you? What was um, putting this desire to be so constantly on the move, constantly active? Yeah, um, well, I would say up until I got into sin around the age of nine, I don't remember my life being too hectic or frantic. And uh, my parents divorced when I was nine. And shortly after that, I was exposed to pornography and mm. got into secret sexual sin, mm -hmm. was doing shameful things. And I think after that, just wanting to avoid reality, the guilt, the shame, afraid to be left with my own thoughts. And um, on top of that, just ingratitude and discontentment, just that kind of spirit really drove me to just go, go, go. I even remember um, we went on vacations a lot growing up, mm. and it was just never, no matter what we did, if we went to Disney World and my parents just went over the top for me, um, it was never good enough. 
you know, it was just that, that yeah. discontent, mm-hmm. ungrateful, right. It's never enough. We, we could have done this, uh, you know, just couldn't even be grateful for what we did in that day. It was like, yeah, but then, uh, we could have gone here and we could have done this and we could have done this. And just again, being driven by that, that ungrateful, unsatisfied, discontent spirit, and also just wanting to avoid the reality of my, my life and mm. what was going on inside. Yeah. Sounds like just the chase that never satisfied constantly on the chase for the next thing. I can mm-hmm. relate. Chris, what about you? For me, everything was uh, an endorphin rush. Everything mm-hmm. was to build to something mm-hmm. because of discontentment, because there was this incredible anger yeah. that I was, yeah. a, a resentment toward my parents uh, for their behaviors. And the only way I could see to overcome that and not blow up was to play sports. So I could hit people and hit people, and it was pers- it was perfectly acceptable. Okay, right. red flag, but... You know, it was within the confines of, you know, you could elbow guys, you could trip them, you could kick Mm -hmm. them, you could do all these things, and it was an outlet for me. Otherwise, I think I would have gone nuts. You were getting to release just whatever was in you. Yeah, and so my life, it got more, the activities became more intense, Mm -hmm. but what was driving it was becoming overwhelmingly intense, Mm -hmm. and I was losing control. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. having sex with girls you know, pregnancies, you know, my life was just falling apart by the time I got out of high school and there was no relief. I didn't know the Lord. Yeah. I think, you know, to even add into that, all of that was just really good. And especially I think for hearing all of that, even where you can look at the things in your own life and pick out a lot of good things. That's the thing I'm hearing so far is that this fast go, go, go uh, has a lot of good behind it and has the appearance of what could be good, but it simply Mm -hmm. seems to be a constant uh, luring away from reality. Mm -hmm. And that was like what Chris had mentioned. I had a fear of sitting and being still. Mm -hmm. I had to face myself when I was quiet, and I didn't like doing that Mm -hmm. um, because I had a lot of hidden sin I wouldn't have called it that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known that I was in hidden sin. I would have said I'm in a lot of shame. I'm in a lot of fear of what people are going to think. And I didn't want to look at that, hear about it, um, because there were thoughts going through my head that just once I got still, it was like I, I had to begin to really face who I was. A couple of weeks ago, I was reading in 1 John, and in the introduction of his letter, he says that he personally saw Jesus and heard him and touched him. And as I was reading those words, I realized that John was speaking about something much deeper than just physical seeing and hearing. He was telling us that he spiritually perceived Jesus. You know, when we look at the apostles' lives, it's pretty amazing because we can clearly see that at one time they were self-centered, bigoted, ambitious, prideful, fearful men, and then we're astonished as we see them become humble, 
self-sacrificial, and utterly devoted. What happened? Well, among other things, their eyes came open to the wonder of Jesus. And what they saw in him was so astounding and so compelling that they could never get over what they had seen. And the same thing will be true of us if we really see him. You know, there's two ways that scripture tells us that we can miss Jesus. One is by living a life of sin because sin destroys the spiritual faculties that we need to perceive spiritual things. But the other way is much more subtle. We can miss Jesus because we never really look. The danger of this present age is that the world is constantly putting before us a vision of things that are very attractive to our sensual nature. And it's constantly beckoning us to spend our lives gazing at things that are passing away. And if we're not vigilant, we will never really look at Jesus. And so we'll never really see him. And so simply by neglect, we will miss out on the one vision that gives us the power to live a pure and holy life. We'll miss out on the one vision that can keep us from being intoxicated with the spirit of Babylon. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't miss the vision of Jesus. That's it for this episode. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org. 